everybody! Welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask the question, remember the aughts? Yes. We're here to talk about everything from the aughts, from... Spongebob's stadium song to Tiesto being everywhere in 2009. Remember which Super Bowl was it that they like like everyone wanted that Spongebob sweet victory to play at the Super Bowl and they teased it for like like three seconds and then just kind of said fuck you to everybody. Oh I don't remember that at all. It was the year that um the Hillenberg, the guy who did Spongebob, he had passed. And they even teased, like, they kept teasing that there was going to be, like, a Spongebob sort of thing for the Super Bowl. And everyone was like, oh, my God, sweet victory. Like, yes, that'll be great. And they teased it for, like, five seconds. And then just kind of used it as, like, a lead into somebody else's performance. Oh, ew. It was with Maroon 5. That was the worst Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, that's... I understand people being angry about that. I would be too, honestly. Yeah, that was brutal. Like, that was almost like when they decided to let Coldplay do the halftime show, Mm -hmm. but at least Coldplay knew their sound well. They were self-aware enough to be like, we have to get Beyonce and Bruno Mars in on this. It was a decent performance. Yeah, I remember that one. No, that was I thought I thought it was pretty good considering. But like Maroon 5, they just they did not want to be there. It was not good at all. No. It's a shame, but yeah, my thing, I had to think mm-hmm. about it. Um uh, trashy reality television. Oh my god, my favorite. There was so much of it. Like there was what was it? Like obviously we know the bachelors, you know, and all that's rock of love. You know, mm-hmm. uh, finding flavor, flavor, love, flavor, flavor of love. Flavor then there was um, I love New York, and then there was a shot at love with Tila Tequila, who has really <laughs> taken a turn. And then there and was then... um, there was one random one. It was called Joe Schmo. Do you remember that one? Oh, wasn't it like he lived in his basement, his mom's basement or something? No, there's this one was like, they got a guy to be on a reality TV show, but he's the only like real person. Everyone else was scripted. Oh, that's so weird. Like they played the whole reality TV show bit, except everybody on the show was a, like was written into the show. Like they were all given scripts and characters and they just played around this guy who thought he was on a real reality TV show. Well, I mean, I feel like that's just the natural course of evolution imploding in on itself, right? Mm-hmm. We like hit the like the first peak after the the writing strike because that's when people resorted to reality TV for a lot of things, right? And it was also a lot cheaper to produce. It was also a lot cheaper to produce. I I really enjoyed the MTV real world road rules challenges which they've sort of expanded to reality tv people in general at this point uh which is smart now did you do you remember that stan lee had a reality tv show what yeah it was on sci-fi network and only of course it was only had two seasons it was called um 
who wants to be a superhero or something like that and the essential thing was oh like God. you created your own character and you would oh have Oh my god. Yeah, you'd have to do these little challenges and whatnot. Now I remember this. I remember the first episode everybody failed the first challenge except for like one guy and I think that guy ended up winning the whole thing. The challenge was get to this point, like get from point A to point B as fast as possible. But in the middle of like this, in the middle of the like the, in the middle of this objective, there was like a girl crying asking for help, and mm-hmm. the real test was like, would would these heroes stop to help the girl? And like nobody did except for one guy. But Tom, all those people who just passed her were all really nice guys. They were all nice guys. They had like weird people. They had like cell phone girl. <laughs> they, had, oh. <laughs> they had so many people season two had trisha paytas oh yeah she was on season that's interesting. two i think it's funny that the flip phone has become sort of an aesthetic in the same way that our generation sees um like vinyl and tape cassettes and typewriters as an aesthetic yeah these young people are getting really into flip phones and I'm just so interested in that. I don't. I I had to live through having a flip phone. I don't want it. I don't want it again. Oh, I like the flip phone. I don't. I miss the flip phone. I don't. I like having my Spotify on my phone. No, I I think that uh, the convergence of all culture into one flat screen has uh, definitely been too much for me. That's fair. I want my Zoom back. I want my flip phone back. I feel like I would be with you, but I know I would get frustrated at the end of the day. Fair. I would get fair. so frustrated from all these luxuries I've gotten used to on my phone. <laughs> like it keeps it has all my 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 schedule. My has my music, it has my YouTube, everything. I talk to like everybody there. A little bit of everything all of the time. You know, if you can install Discord on a flip phone, I might just, I might be okay with that. Okay, 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 just Discord? That's that's where you would draw the line? Because you can, like, from how I gather, Discord can let me do most things. Okay. So. You know, I do have to say that uh, I think when I switched to a smartphone from, like, a flip phone, or I had the slide phone at that point, um, it was me just getting lost in brooklyn so having gps is nice yeah if i could still have that i think that would be my my luxury smart app that i'd still want to keep on a flip phone i had flip phone i had a flip phone fairly late i think i didn't get a smartphone until like 2011 Ooh, i beat you uh 2013 2013 really yeah (laughs) wait what were you doing I had my internship in Brooklyn and I just got lost and I was like I I need to I need some help. Damn, that's wild. I, ha- I have to tell you I feel like 2013. I feel like I had a better sense of navigation before having GPS on my phone. Like, yeah, sure, if I was trying to meet somebody in a area of Chicago, 
yes, maybe in the dead of winter, I was walking in the completely opposite direction for like 15 minutes before I realized that I was going in the wrong way. But I feel like I spent more time looking up and learning about the different like places I was navigating to. Whereas like if I was just relying on my GPS, like I did in Paris, I still, if I looked up, I'd be completely lost. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to bring up my rant from before, before we get into the episode. OnlyFans. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like before we get started, it's it's like cool to just like chat about like different trends and things that have been changing or different things that we've noticed are changing. Yeah. Yeah. As of the time we're recording this episode, the day before, mm-hmm. OnlyFans announced no more porn. And how do you define porn? I guess it depends on who makes it, because like I, I mentioned to you, they're yeah. still allowing nudes, but not pornography, which is a slippery slope because how do you define it? And like you made a good point. If it's like, if it's a Bella mm-hmm. Thorne, no mm-hmm. one's going to care. Or a Howling Madison. Yeah. yeah. But if it's like a person creating content and this is their livelihood, mm-hmm. they're probably, that's gone. All of it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's really fucking unfortunate. And it's. They're looking for investors, so they got to play it family friendly, and they're catering to this very prude sensibility that we still have in this country, unfortunately. Also, you know, something that we sort of talked around but didn't really give like a name to is that deciding on what is quote unquote a tasteful nude implies that some sex is still more family friendly than other sex. Yeah. And then that just like, continues to push the idolization of like what bodies are supposed to look like because you know the people that they're going to allow for quote-unquote tasteful nudes have way more income way more power and can probably like afford to get their photos edited and airbrushed and photoshopped and all of that it's also people who don't depend on the site for their income yeah exactly like people like holly madison and bella thorne getting to have like their content on these shows like for them this is just another project this is another product that they're selling this is essentially perfume it's not paying for their rent no it's just like additional merch yeah i mean it it's just such a another attack on sex workers in america because as if the pandemic hasn't already been in like difficult for sex workers in general then, like, let's get rid of their only other source of income. Yeah, it's a fucking shame. And we we support sex workers. It's it's mm-hmm. work. Like, let's let's be real. Like, I'm not here to say, like, it's soup because there is that joke. Like, it's super easy. Makeup only fans. It's work. It is genuine yeah. work and it is rough and it is uh, um, oftentimes because of the because of this idea that people just want to turn a blind eye to it it gets you get a lot of exploitive shit going on it's like and now like this one commodity that's served is like providing agency to adult mm-hmm. creators is now being taken away like there's there's other websites and hopefully someone else will take the reins and kind of steer the ship i know there's like I hope so there's avn there's many vids i know there's a couple of places for people to check out but like it's just like, you literally built the entire, like, they didn't really need investors. Like, I get it. Like, they're looking to branch off. But, like, I think their in, their their profit last year was $2 billion. 
That's totally like, what it is, right? Because like once the pandemic hit, more celebrities started going on OnlyFans. I think <laughs> parallel to that, people started going on Cameo too, right? So I think that some celebrities were just like, oh, cool, I can come on OnlyFans and check out this stuff that I do day to day. But then it just turns into a more commodified Instagram or Twitter for celebrities to be like, hey, check out all of this stuff that I'm doing. Meanwhile, like people are going to spend more money on that than they are the people who rely on this income as like their main source of living. Well, I mean, I don't know the breakdown of yeah what but i last time i checked i do believe that adult content still makes most of the money on OnlyFans. And okay just, i i um, feel like i've just noticed it i i knew more about OnlyFans because of certain celebrities starting to post on it like tyler yeah. posey yeah. who has since said like i don't want to do this anymore i think um but like certain celebrities like tyler posey and bella thorne putting yeah, their stuff on there but they definitely brought in huge markets they definitely did right and there was the whole scandal with bella thorne it's just it's a it like also instagram it, you know yeah I'll, like it technically these are your companies you know you can do with your companies as you will but this prudish mentality that we all have to abide by like do you know how many people's pages get like shut down on instagram because they post something risque it's a yeah, fucking, also, it's wild. Meanwhile, like, creators of color will report racist um, cyberbullying to Instagram, and they never get it taken down. They never get it blocked. Like, it's complete bullshit. Like, the way that they do their blocking is absolutely, like, classist and elitist. It's bullshit. It's, it's 100% they're serving the investors, not the clientele. Like, yeah. If you're reporting harassment or bullying, that's mm-hmm. an individual problem. Whereas uh, if someone posts a foot pick or a side boob, that's priority to make sure that the prude uh, investors don't get offended. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. Like, um, there's this um, one creator on Instagram who I've talked to a little bit. And she also started a podcast. Um, her handle is Asians Who Watch Bravo. Uh-huh. And she talks about, like, the racism in, you know, the Bravo TV shows, and also, like, it's very informative, and she, like, shares a lot of her own, like, personal experiences, um, but she, she also started a podcast called, like, The Asian American Dream, where they interview, um, like, members of the AAPI community, and um, she gets so many nasty messages all the time, and she will report them, and, like, they never get taken down. Or they never get, you know, those people never um, get punishment for treating her a certain way. Meanwhile, if somebody, like, posts a nipple on Instagram, it's the end of the world. Yeah. I'm just gonna... It's crazy. I, I have this quote from a creator on adult um, on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. She's a cosplay model who also has an OnlyFans, and on her, I saw her post today, uh, Skylar Rain. Just mm-hmm. to put some things into perspective, OnlyFans has made fifty thousand dollars off me alone. Imagine how much of that they've made off of every, you know, other 
the other creator. The lack of statement on the situation is incredibly disrespectful. Because, yeah, nobody got the heads up. None of these creators got the heads up. I assume they they probably found out when we all found out, right? Yeah, they found out when we found out. It's fucking awful. Like, it just goes to show you that, like, once again, the the people who are pushed aside are the ones that built the entire empire for these people, and then they're the ones who get punished for it. Yeah, we need to get over ourselves, guys. America, get over it. Like, you don't have to like it, but it's not your business to regulate it. You know? It's about fucking time. It's about fucking time. Because, like, regulation... It depends on the context that things are regulated in, right? Because, you know, the way that Americans want to regulate the sex worker industry is by, like, considering it shameful, shoving it under the rug, but still, like, when they want to exploit it, when they personally want to enjoy it, they have no problem doing that. The same people who try to contain it are the ones who are abusing it separately like other countries that you know like we talked about like the red light district um where it's like completely legal completely safe they have a security button where if uh, a client gets aggressive or violent they can just press that security button and somebody will come take care of it for them yeah so it's it's, it's just wild i mean like i don't know it's so weird i feel like during the pandemic as people are like taking this time to think and evolve and expand because that's what we can do right we're sitting here and thinking other people are like clinging to these old world mentalities and so there's just such a struggle and like a dichotomy between these two visions for our world and it's terrifying yeah it's really fucking unfortunate but yeah that is the end of my rant. Twenty twenty one. Twenty one, baby. Twenty twenty one. It's just wild. Booster vaccines, yeah. Just wild to me, but that's a side point. It, it is like really upsetting, but I'm I'm glad that we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but we're following from last week's theme. I yeah. have a thing at the top of the episode, because you say where we talk about all things pop culture from the odds. I was going to say, sometimes we talk about things that influence current pop culture. Yeah, because, ooh, it's coming back around. Oh, big time. Big yeah. time. Every, you know, it's all cyclical. Mm-hmm. So I here actually, we are. I was talking mm-hmm. to someone yesterday, and I was telling them, like, you know, in the odds, like if you were a guy and you wanted skinny jeans, you had to buy, you had to go into the girls section because they didn't sell it in the guy section at that time. It right. blew his mind. He was like, what? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day. Um, You know, I started watching the Vampire Diaries. Yes. And I'm watching the first season. It started in 2009. And I'm like, you know, all of these things could easily be happening now. You know, like her, she's got the flare jeans on. She's got the flip phone. They're playing Feel It In My Bones by Tiesto and Tegan and Sarah. 
And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Also, like, now that Twilight's on Netflix, I feel like more Twilight memes are just circulating and circulating. As one should. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. As is tradition. As is tradition. And we're continuing with this. Last week, we talked about Olivia Rodrigo. And thank you, mm-hmm. Courtney. You did an excellent presentation. Thank you. I feel like I didn't have any actual, like, statistics and facts on Olivia Rodrigo. But I didn't also feel like that was necessary because I feel like enough of that information is just out there no, for people you to find. Great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> also, fun. I just thought about this. PowerPoint presentations. Mm-hmm. That was very much like a product of our youth in high school. Is that a thing that kids still do? Do they still make PowerPoint presentations? I think that they make fun of PowerPoint presentations as like a meme, like the same way for a while. Like it was a meme to say like, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I think if anything, they'll be like, and here is my PowerPoint presentation on this. Yeah, funny thing. Um, I saw on a dating app a girl made, she's like, I made a PowerPoint presentation as to why you should date me. I would date that person. And each one of her photos was a different slide, and I loved it. That was amazing. Um, While I've been training for my new job, I was very upset that in person I didn't have my multiple pens with different colors so that I could color coordinate the notes I was taking. Oh, no. Yeah, I... <laughs> I need my color coordinated notes. I get that. Um, but uh, oh my god, no! I was gonna say something and I totally, totally blanked. Oh, oh now I remember what I was gonna say. I think what the cool kids are using now is this thing called Canva, which is completely free. Wait, what is? This? And then you can make very like interactive presentations with it. Oh. Canva. Okay, I have it pulled up. Yeah. Canva's very cool. I really like Canva. I'm not as like... Oh, it's great. So if you wanted to do a presentation with like a paint stroke moving as you started your presentation, you could do that. You can add little GIFs. You can add little like animated icons and stuff. It's very cool. And they also have like a bunch of pictures that you can use. If Canva wants to uh, sponsor us, that'd be great. <laughs> I, I have nothing but good things to say about Canva. Wicked. Yeah. So Wicked. I, I think All that's right. what people are using more now. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, guys, the episode today, we'll be talking yes. about Machine Gun Kelly's 2020 album, Tickets to My Downfall. And then this is where you play a song, or a bit, or a clip. Oh yeah, tickets to my downfall. (laughs) I'm going to start off by saying I am a fan of this album. I like it a lot. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I've heard I really like. I have not listened to it the way that you have, but similarly, you did not listen to Olivia Rodrigo the way that I had. <laughs> That's so fair. we're good. This is my episode, boys. Yep. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so Machine Gun Kelly, he's mm-hmm. a rapper. 
I know about him. He's had four albums in the in the twenty tens. He's never been someone I paid that much attention to, but he was a decent guy. I you know, I remember the first time I actually saw him was in the movie The Dirt. That's the uh biographical film about Motley Crue. So I had no idea he was in that. He played Tommy Lee. I had no idea. I just looked at the trailer for that movie, said no, and then kept moving on. I watched it. It's a fun movie, but it's dumb. It's really dumb. The moment where I became curious in Machine Gun Kelly's acting career is from a movie in the 2010s called Beyond the Lights. Yes. That's a movie that I I would really like to watch. I've heard very good things about it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he seemed, I would have to say he's, a fairly talented guy. And I remember that he got, I remember actually the first time I actually really heard of him mm-hmm. was when he had that beef with Eminem and they did diss tracks on each other. And at that the was time, the first time that I had heard about him too. Yeah. And I think like at the time when I heard about it, I was like, why would anyone make a diss track on Eminem? He's a legend. And now I'm just kind of like, Eminem, you're old. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense. Like, especially you're a yeah. young guy. You're a young guy. You're making, you know, you're making a name for yourself. Why wouldn't you make, you know, something that, you know, you're poking the bear, but it's bringing your name awareness out there. I just think that despite him being an absolute legend, and I know that a lot of my millennial peers will get very angry at me because they have. They've, yeah. They have before when I said this, but the truth is, I think that, um, Eminem is old and definitely produces a lot of boomer energy. And I think it's just sometimes you need, it's got to be okay with like taking a break a little bit. Well, also, um, I, I mean, I haven't been as attached to Eminem and I, there's definitely a few rappers that I like. Um, I've not listened to Machine Gun Kelly as a rapper. Um, you know, as we are millennials, I've definitely heard a lot of Eminem at our dances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just sort of like missed my opportunity to enjoy his music. And then once I started getting into a few rappers, it just wasn't him. And I think that in general, his quality level has definitely plateaued. Yeah, I think I've definitely li- I've definitely owned some albums. I've owned Encore. I've owned a, a few of his earlier stuff as well. I've oh my god, a- Tom, I, I just remembered your rap phase. Uh-huh. in middle school yeah <laughs> yeah it was definitely like a, like trying to find an image and identity for myself i still listen sure. to a lot of the same music it's just i don't play into the type but um with eminem like he's definitely like i'll give him the, especially his earlier stuff when he's made these very passionate very painful songs and it's you know he's bringing a situational he was bringing a story not really out there, like this white trash upbringing in, you know, living mm-hmm. in a trailer park, talking about issues with his mother. Like, these are very deep issues that people can relate to, but weren't be necessarily being addressed. But as time goes on, I especially find in 2010s, he's had these hits that um, I'm going to be, I know I'm being judgmental, I'm sorry. Normies loved it no matter what. And I'm just oh my like, gosh. Normies love the way you lie. Like, Yo, that's not a good song. It's not a good song, but guess who's in it? Eminem. Megan Fox. Oh, Megan Fox. Oh, that connects to Megan today's Fox. episode. That connects yep. to today's episode, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, a part of, like, the aughts coming back into popularity, right? Yeah. I mean, I like, 
I like that the aughts are coming back into popularity, but there's a mm-hmm. there's like a reflective image to kind of do better. Like Megan Fox is big again. Mm-hmm. Like not that she wasn't ever big. She was always like a Hollywood draw, but now like Jennifer's body has this cult following now that it didn't have before. And it's like people were revisiting it and not only we bringing back, like I think that's what's nice about, I think, when people fetishized the 90s, nobody criticized the 90s. Everyone was just like, 90s culture is cool. And it's like, okay, cool. But there was a lot of shit. Okay, Gen wrong. X. Yeah, okay, Gen X. But I think we're bringing back a lot of the aughts culture, but there's mm-hmm. a level of like new perspective on it. Like we're not just fan, you know, we're, just, we're not just fanboying over Jennifer's body. We're listening mm-hmm. to Megan Fox talk about her experience you know, being, you know, being idolized and objectified in that time. And I think that that's a hugely important thing. Well, I think also what you're touching on is really important is that when time has passed, the things that we just tossed aside in the 2000s, you know, after some time, we can look back on it and look at it more critically and say, like, this was underappreciated for its time. Like, people did not realize how special it was. But I do think there are some things where that does happen. I think that is part of the cycle for a lot of things, not Gen X with the 90s. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there will be things from my parents' childhood or their younger years where they'll be like, oh my God, you're listening to that? Hmm. I mean, what nine-year-old was listening to ABBA? You know, like my dad growing up was like, I hate that you listen to ABBA. They're so not cool. And I was like, I don't know, dad. I just, I like disco. Hey, man, do what you gotta yeah. do. Yeah, but so I think that's part of it is that, you know, you can look back on things differently and say this was underappreciated at the time. And, you know, a lot of things over time find more appreciation. I mean, The Shining was a huge flop when it first came out, Mm. you know? So I feel like for a lot of younger people, Jennifer's body um, is finding this new fan base now in 2021. And also what I love is that Megan Fox is much older and we're having a lot more respect for her. Like, I, I feel like that's really important, too. And that's something that you and I didn't grow up with. There was so much pressure no. to be, like, young and successful. But I love that she's getting so much attention now. And she's, like, 35. And I'm like, yes, queen. Yeah. Live your life. Hook up with Machine Gun Kelly. Wear your weird matching outfits <laughs> together. I love it. I do love it. Oh, I love boy. their outfits. Yeah, so that was mm-hmm. my quick little spiel about Machine Gun Kelly. Um, I can't really speak to much of his earlier music. I apologize. I'm sure it's pretty good. I've heard some songs that were fairly good, but I just, I'd never really deep dive into it. But I just, when this album came out and I just mm-hmm. one day was like, I got to hear this. And then like, it just, cause I mean, to be, you know, my confession, I was too angsty and dorky to really give pop punk the listen it deserved in high school because I was like, Oh, I'm too good for that. But, you know, right. I did like, like, my guilt. The ones that I would get away with would be, like, some 41. They're a little bit more aggressive than I would say Blink-182 was, you know. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like, that sound always resonated with me. And I can see that as an adult. And so I checked out this album. And I just, like, there's songs that immediately sold me. Like, I'll talk about them more in a bit. But, like, uh, Forget Me Too with Halsey. Like, that's a great song. I fucking love that song. 
I freaking love Halsey. Yeah, and then like I mean, even the title track, which features Megan Fox, um, you know, a Bloody Valentine. That's a bop. That's a bop. That was the moment where I thought, oh my god, Machine Gun Kelly is going to bring pop punk back. Mm-hmm. It, like that was the moment, you know. And last episode we talked a bit about how certain people may have been kind of setting the foundation to it but you know there comes a moment where someone just runs away with a trend and it becomes very popular and i kept watching bloody valentine and i was like oh wow this is really quintessential pop punk and it's yeah. it's gonna come back yeah and there's a fun story as to how this all started <gasps> also tom yeah did you know that megan fox and machine gun kelly's relationship started with a connection to Vanderpump Rules? No, please do mm-hmm. tell me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes, Megan Fox was in Machine Gun Kelly's music video for Bloody Valentine, and people yes. may think that's where their twin flame romance started. But actually, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are in this terrible, terrible movie together called Switchblade in the Grass. I think, I think that's what it's called. Or Midnight in the Switchblade. I don't know. It's some bullshit. But it's directed by Randall Emmett, who is engaged to Lala Kent from Vanderpump Rules. And this director is somebody who was always a producer for, like, Martin Scorsese. He worked with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Like, he's in that group. So I guess this was his first time directing on his own. And it was a movie where, like, Megan Fox is, like, the co-lead with Bruce Willis. And they bring on Machine Gun Kelly for a small role. And that's where they met. All right. So I'm just going to say right away, like, I looked Mm -hmm. up this movie. And the first image I saw was a stereotypical image of Bruce Willis not caring. And that's when I knew this movie was bad. It's no one's fault, but it's just, it's the curse of the Willis. Like, totally. do you know how many bad movies this dude's been in in the last, like, 10 years? Well, what they do is he has this, like, two million contract where he just flies in on his helicopter, does the lines, and then leaves. Yeah. It's absurd that he does this. It's like, do you not... Like, there's so many things wrong about Bruce Willis. Like, I I adore the man, Kevin Smith. I adore him. I don't adore all of his movies. But most of his movies have, like, at least some charm to them. Cop Out... I blame that entirely on fucking Bruce Willis. That was a disaster. And there's stories that came out, you know, long since afterwards about just how much of a nightmare Bruce Willis was. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's called Midnight in the Switchgrass, which is a terrible title to begin with. I literally, uh, Switchblade in the Grass. Like, I don't know what it was called. And then, like, it has some pretty solid actors in it. And I was excited that Megan Fox was one of the leads. And I just had a feeling it would be bad, but I didn't think that it was going to flop as hard as it did. I just... Uh, Bruce Willis. But Bruce Willis. But apparently that's where they met. Um, the director said that their connection was, like, instant. You could see it. And I just, I just want Megan Fox to be happy. That's all yeah. I want for her. I know. I think she is. And it's, she's, it's a beautiful thing. And, like, I'm glad that's where the romance started. Yes, a terrible uh, movie. That's sometimes the best. But, like, I would say 
Because I think Machine Gun Kelly has never been shy about his influences. He's always been kind of upfront about it. And I think that's another cool thing about music in the last few years is that you don't have to pigeonhole yourself into a specific genre unless mm-hmm. you're like, you know, unless you're a prog metal band, then you have to do your calculations and very, very specific. But, you know, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly. Mm-hmm. And... um He's always kind of worn his influences on his sleeve. He's always been into like, you know, the, you know, pop punk, more aggressive side of music from his childhood. Mm-hmm. And on his last, al- not his last, on the album Hotel Diablo from 2019, he had a song called I Think I'm Okay, which mm-hmm. featured Youngblood and Travis Barker. Mm. And this is where he would Machine Gun Kelly would become good friends with both Young Blood and Travis Barker. This is another thing about Machine Gun Kelly. After watching all these interviews and like just talk, hearing people talk about him, it just he doesn't. It seems like he doesn't just he never is the guy to use people. He becomes their friends. Like he's he's friends with fucking everybody. Like he's always got nice things to say. Him and Pete Davidson are friends. He's friends with Young Blood. He's friends with all these like features on his albums there it's mm. just unless but like travis barker i think got it he saw something and was like we could do this we could do this and i think over the pan he i think he like he convinced machine gun kelly or i want to say colson baker that's his actual name mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he convinced him to like put some time into the studio and try to like make something together and that's how they came up with the song bloody valentine Mm-hmm. And then spent two months working on what would be this album. Mm. So I mean, Travis you Barker... can just tell by the aesthetic, you know? I mean, the yeah. title, Tickets to My Downfall, like, everything about it is so pop punk. Very much so. And it's like, Travis Barker played a huge hand in, like, really, because I think he's also listed as a producer on this. And he mm. plays the drum features for all the songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Travis Barker is a producer. That's correct. We talked about Travis Barker last week too, and I mean Travis Barker is just single-handedly saying to Gen Z musicians or like musicians for the Gen Z, "Here you are. Here are the tools. Now go, go yeah. forward. I will help you. I will guide you." It's amazing. Now, what's interesting is that this was always meant to be a pop punk album, but I was reading um, Machine Gun Kelly wanted to include features that are kind of outside the scope of like pop punk. He wanted mm-hmm. Burt McCracken of The Used. Oh. And Chris Fornzak of Attila. Like these are very different types of music, but like he's just, like I said, he's bringing, he's bringing his influences with him. He wants to like make this album. They did not end up being on the album, but like these are some of the features he's had. He's had um, uh, he's had Halsey as we discussed before, mm-hmm. Black Bear, Trippy Red, Ian Dore, you know. It, it's and I mean obviously Travis Barker. He's got some uh, Young Thug, Mud Son, and Goody Grace. I'm also terrible at saying these names i'm sorry people well it's interesting too that he's worked with young blood because young blood and halsey also dated for a while really and i remember when they dated they did a cover of i will follow you into the dark by death cat for cutie hmm. so 
you know, and we mentioned Halsey last week too, that there are clearly these influences that these new musicians are sharing where like they've grown up listening to the music that we grew up with. So those are going to be the things that inspired them. Those are going to be the things that will interest, you know, they'll show interest in, in creating musically for themselves. So, um, you know, it's all just interwoven in there. Yeah, well, I mean, Machine Gun Kelly's even done, like, a cover of Misery Business. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not too crazy about it. Neither am I. Um, it's not his yeah. voice. It's, it's, not, it's his voice. Like, his voice doesn't suit the song. I agree. I agree. But we, we talk about Misery Business quite a bit with, um, or it gets, you know, compared a lot with Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You, which uses Jennifer's body as one of the inspirations for the music videos. Yeah. It's all connected. So that's kind of like the build up to this album. And now mm -hmm. I have a track list here because I'm going to go through each song. Let me see. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Sorry. All right. So this is this. The album opens up with the song title track. Oh, okay. Yeah, title track, which honestly, I fell in love with the song after listening to it a few times. It's very much, it starts off like melodic, a bit slow, kind of reminded me of Pieces by Sum 41. Mm. You know, that, I really like that song too. Sum 41, I'm just going to say I love that band. I had but, a while um, where I couldn't listen to Sum 41, and then out of nowhere, I was just like, oh, I want to listen to them again. Yeah, like I wouldn't say title track is taking, it's not a copy at all. It's not even, once it gets to the heavier elements, it's not at all like the song pieces, but there's just something about the way it opens up. It just kept making me think of like, I was like, I know a song like this. Mm -hmm. Like it starts off slow, melodic, and it's like, because like the whole idea is he's, you know, he's even saying I'm selling tickets to my downfall. That's the chorus of the song. And there's something interesting about that statement. Because I know that um another thing about MGK, I know that he was he had almost quit music. Mm. He and he talks about it openly, like before this album and Hotel Diablo, he was considerably like very close to just not making music anymore. Mm. When uh and when did that happen? I would I would say maybe in like the last two years. Okay. Why? What's up? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this is this is your episode, man. <laughs> I thought I thought you were... Okay, my bad. Yeah, no, he, he talks about how, like... Because there was a lot of... You know, he faced a lot of criticisms and harsh reviews. And it, it does get... It does wear on a person. Mm-hmm. You know, and then obviously beef with other musicians, blah, blah, blah. But still, like, I think what's interesting about doing a pop punk album is that it allows you, and I know he was dealing with a severe, you know, a lot of issues with, you know, alcohol abuse. So, mm. pop, I mean, you know, there is a side of him that, you know, tends to say certain things that I, I do think provokes people. Yeah. And that's part of some, it. Right. He said some stupid ass shit. He said right. some dumb ass shit. Like, I think he said something like, I'm my generation's Jimi Hendrix. Oh, that and would piss a lot of people off. Especially that pisses, the yeah. 
exactly. And but part of me is like, yeah, maybe like the same way that, you know, to us, like my chemical romance could be compared to Queen. It doesn't mean that, you know, my chemical romance is the same thing as Queen. But for our generation, like that is the band that I feel like has reached classic rock success. Yeah. But you know what it is? It's like, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that statement. I'd be like, nah, man, you're not Jimi Hendrix. But at the same time, I'm not going to get upset about it. I genuinely don't care. But like, met- especially metal elitists, metal and rock elitists will get so up in arms and die on this hill and get so invested and tell you that you're wrong. It's just like, guys, shut the fuck up. Yeah, or like Who him cares? calling out Eminem. It's like, yeah, sure, fine. Uh, do it you know (laughs) it's like go for it go crazy oh my god yeah kiddo yeah it's wild to me yeah i mean i I think that's part of the whole shtick of being like the disgruntled musician you know Yeah. yeah so like he and i think this album does it allows him the opportunity to kind of, you know, because he's drawing from personal experiences and pain. I mean, I know it's something he's probably always done as an artist, but especially in this song, title track, mm-hmm. I get that sense that he's kind of like embracing the idea, like you could just watch my failure on stage. And I think that's a pretty interesting thing. It's a good song. It's a very good song to start off with on this album. It hits mm-hmm. a little bit more aggressive and angsty. I dig it. I really did. That's what I liked about the title, too, and it's kind of similar to, I think, what people like about Bo Burnham's special, you know, Tickets to My Downfall and, like, All Eyes on Me, you know, when you think about it, they're kind of saying the similar message. It's like, you're here to cheer and praise me for being on stage, but I'm falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Then the album follows up with the next song, mm-hmm. Kiss Kiss. Kiss Kiss? Kiss Kiss, which hits a little bit more poppy. Okay. You know, kiss Kiss, Kiss Kiss. It's a, it's a, it's another cool song. I bob to it, you know? Okay. Just traditional, like, very, and that's, and I'm not going to say generic in a bad sense because I didn't mind it, but I can see where a lot of people maybe had issue with it, but it just hits a very, it's a well-structured, generic song. Just okay. Poppy. It's a little more poppy than the last one. Run of the one. mill. Yeah, okay. run of the mill. Um, then we get to drunk face. <laughs> um, drunk face is another one. Yeah, drunk face goes a little bit more into the hip hop side of things. It's got mm. that triple hi hat going, which is something I picked up from another reviewer because I'm not a music person, but apparently it's on this song and throughout this album, which is a thing people are pretty interested about. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, Drunk Face is another one I really like. Then fourth on the album is the the big song, Bloody Valentine. I fucking love the song. Also, this is where we get the music video with uh, Megan Fox, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I've watched many interviews and I watched the making of. It's like they shot in this beautiful house. She holds them captive. And this song just kind of goes through like this, like lustful, like indulgence of this relationship. And I dig it. And it's beautiful. I 
mean, I feel like that's what is very similar to the pop punk era of the aughts, right? Is this like, oh my God, this beautiful, sexy woman who is just going to destroy me physically and emotionally, but I'm going to love every second of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a really fun song. Um, The music video is really interesting. I watched Machine Gun Kelly talk about it. He's very, he just seems like a very open dude. He very much like gushes over Megan Fox the whole time he's talking about it. Oh my gosh! You know what I just realized? Okay. Would you say, as as a recently converted Sugar Cult fan, okay, that this song is very similar to "She's the Blade." Hmm. Did you ever listen to that song? I haven't. Let me pull it up now. She's the blade, and you're just paper. She's the blade, and you're just. Let me see. Have you ever listened to that song? No, hang on. Okay. We'll have to do a Sugar Cold episode sometime. I hear it. Yep, yep. Yep, I forgot the chorus. It's the... She stole everything your heart desired. Now you want it back. Yeah. I could get it in that rhythm. It's... Mm -hmm. the thing I love the most about the song is I don't know what to call it, but that rhythm when like when it gets to the chorus and the guitar is just going with like I love yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the train track. <laughs> yeah, That's the it's only amazing. Thing about it. Yeah. Once I started describing the plot of my bloody Valentine, I just heard "She's the Blade" in my head, but I couldn't remember it, so I had to look up the lyrics myself. I haven't listened to Sugar Cult in so long, but I love that song. Yeah. All right, so after Bloody Valentine, we get Forget Me Too, which I think maybe is my favorite song in the whole album. Mm-hmm. This song just sold me right away. It's a short song, but it's a fast and it hits hard. This is the feature with Halsey. Mm. It's just like, you know, obviously the themes of this one are this struggling relationship between two people who shouldn't be together and aren't together, but fade into their lust and just keep doing things they shouldn't be doing. Mm. And there's I always like they both... resentment. I feel like they both can speak on that from probably uh like what they've cultivated as artists and their own personal experiences. Yeah. You know, I feel like and a lot of Halsey's music covers that topic. I can imagine. And the music video is a lot of fun too. It's um it's just kind of like the inside of this like you see it it's weird how it's done. It's like this you know, Machine Gun Kelly's in it, so is Halsey. They're playing these roles of like a broken up couple going through this house almost like in parallel universes where one's there and the other's not or they like one like the lake house like the lake house but like in a music video where like there's like this brilliant moment where like one will exit the room and the other will come in the other side Mm. it's almost like two people clearly not matching on the same page in this frustration and bitter rage like they break things like i think there's this really cool shot where like she grabs the memorabilia from him Mm-hmm. chucks it out the window and then he walks in afterwards it's like this weird you know juxtaposition i really dig this one it's that my, is also a little eternal sunshine-esque because there is that scene where like he's trying to catch up with her and his memory and try to stop them from fighting and like she would go through kate winslet would go through like a little tunnel that they built to be on one side of the room instead of the other so he can't reach her I didn't even think about that, but that's mm-hmm. actually a really good point. It is mm-hmm. very uh, 
Eternal Sunshine. That is great. Did you see mm-hmm. this music video? No, I haven't seen it. I, I want to watch okay. it now. It is very much like that. Okay. Um, then we follow up with All I Know. This is the feature with Trippy Reed. Um, okay. It's an okay song. It's more hip-hop and poppy than it is, you know, rock. I, I kind of vibe with the... Some people really don't like the song. I can vibe with it, but it is kind of dumb and cheesy. But you know what? Okay. That's what we're here for. This is the genre we're in. Yeah, I don't I don't know who Trippy Reed is. He's a musician. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and by that I mean I don't know. I'm not that familiar with him either. Um, he's a he's a rapper. It is a person who breathes yes. and appears on a song. Okay. Yeah. I cool. think his I think his feature, it's actually a pretty decent feature in this. Okay. I'll, I gotta listen to this album now because I've I've only heard bits and pieces of it, and I've told you that Joe is confounded by how easily it gets stuck in his head. Like one morning we were lying in bed and he was like, I can't get that Machine Gun Kelly song stuck out of my, out of my head. I like, he's like, I just can't stop. And I was like, well, you know, what, what song is it? And he's like, okay, let me play it for you. Yeah. After all I know, we get to Lonely, which Lonely kind of goes further, kind of goes back into a little bit more of the emo side of things. I think that's the one. That's the one. I think that's the one. Is that the one where he talks about his ex? There's several songs on here where he talks about an ex. Okay, fair, very fair. What? What? what you, in reference to what? What do you know? Let me see. I'm gonna look up the lyrics to "Lonely." Okay. Lonely, lonely. Oh my gosh! Why is his name so long? Okay. No, no, it's not this one. It's not this Ooh. one. Never mind. I have a well, feeling it's, are you sure it's not Forget Me Too or, um... It's not Forget Me Too because he would have to admit that he likes a Halsey song. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it might be a, another song, but when you get to it, I'll probably figure it out. Okay. Uh, then we get to World War Two. No, World War Three. sorry. World War Three. <laughs> I'm not okay. gonna lie. The, this song, I really, I I've listened to it. It doesn't stick with me that much. It's a little more aggressive, but I just, I like, it takes me a second to be like, oh yeah, that song. Mm, okay. I hate to sound like that. Maybe I would, you know, appreciate it more. Then there's an interlude with Pete Davidson, Kevin in the Barracuda. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Then we got the next hit, which had a pretty funny music video called Concert for Aliens. Okay. That one's a fun one. It's like this whole like TV show. He plays like every character in it, which is a lot of fun. Okay. And this is another thing I'll give Machine Gun Kelly. He seems like he really likes to act, but isn't pretentious about it. He's almost willing to do anything. Well, that's what I heard about his performance in Beyond the Lights is that so he plays... Um, like the douchey pop star that she's fake dating. You know, that she's like this rising musician and she's fake dating this like douchey pop star and it's him. And um, from what I've heard is that he does a really good job in it. I can imagine. It, he just seems like a guy that's like, he doesn't look at himself as like- Too seriously. Highest, yeah, takes himself too seriously. He's just- just there to have a good time and like he did even though like the movie's dumb and i didn't really like it that much Mm -hmm. he plays tommy lee really well he plays like 
almost like the sweetheart of the band. You know, he's just, you know, you really, his presence, you just kind of really dig him. Okay. Yeah, I really, I can, I wouldn't mind seeing him in more movies. Okay. Yeah, and Concert for Aliens is a fun song. This one feels very, like, blank to me. So, I mean, okay. even the name itself is very, like, yeah, goofy. The music video is a lot of fun. He plays every role. It's like this game show type thing where he plays the host. Okay. He also plays the contestant. He plays, like, this... He does, like, a whole emo outfit that shows up in another song that came out, I think, after the album. It's like, um... What was it? It was called, um... Love Race? Because it's not okay. on the album, but I really do like the song Love Race. Maybe it's on the extended version? I don't know. It came out, like, after... Because this album came out september 25th okay and i know the song came out like maybe like two three months ago because i think he has um an extended version of the album he does yeah mm-hmm. he does oh he does have a feature okay he has a song the sold out edition has a song called body bag which features young blood mm. and burt mccracken of the used oh okay there you go yeah okay so it did come about all right my bad <laughs> Um, then after that, you got My Ex's Best Friend, which That's I the do one. love. That's I the one. I do love this song. I do love this song. It's, it's such like an a, earworm. It is an earworm, and it's a yeah. blend. It's not full pop punk, but it, it's got like the pop punk chorus. But, but also, like, up- I love his gravelly, singy songy, the way he yeah. like talks through the verses. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, it's a good I would song. Say the, the chorus is very pop punk, but the lead up to it has that like synth yeah has that like hip-hop track going it's yeah. got the beats it's it's a little it's a nice blend of the two and this features uh black bear this this and is I the song his, yeah this is the song that joe is like he's such an asshole but why can't i stop listening to the song and he's like just listen to the lyrics and i was like i mean yeah man pop punk is back i don't know what to tell you i have no problem with pop punk coming yeah. back so my opinion is just not going to be helpful here I do love this song. This is like a song that like comes on at a karaoke. People, are, you know, are gonna have a good time. You know, my ex that makes it all feel, feel complicated. complicated. I read those texts that you sent to yours, but I'll never say it. Yeah. Never. I read yeah. those texts that you sent to yours, but I'll never say it. Say yeah, it's just so good. <laughs> you walk in my life at two a.m. My boys need girls. Your, your best, best friend. friend. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, then we have Jawbreaker, mm. which is a pretty good, a little bit more punky sort of sound. I enjoy that one quite a bit. Don't really have much more to say about it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> then we have Nothing Inside. This one is featuring Ian Dior. Uh, that one's a pretty chill song. I. And then uh, there's another interlude. And then this one is... a. This one, I actually really dug. I listened to him and Travis Barker talk about this song. Uh, play mm-hmm. this one, I'm gone. This was Aww. like, this song, um, Machine, they were having a difficult time picking a song for an ending. I think Machine Gun Kelly had a different song he wanted to end with. Mm. But Travis Barker like pushed them to like work on this song that he had been writing lyrics for. And I think he wrote this in, with his, his daughter in mind. Aww. And they kind of worked on it. And after they like, made the song travis barker was the one to be like no make this has to be the closer for the album 
Yeah. See, that's what I wish Olivia Rodrigo had for her album. I wish she had somebody who could say, like, this is what it needs to be. Listen to my expertise on this. She didn't have a Travis Barker guiding hand. No. I mean, not yet. There's still plenty of time for that. True. That is true. Yeah. But this is the this is the track listing, fifteen you know songs on mm-hmm. the official standard edition. There is mm-hmm. obviously we talk about the extended edition, which features like Body Bag, Hangover Cure, Split a Pill, Can't Look Back, the Misery Business cover, mm. yeah, and a acoustic version of Bloody Valentine, which I haven't listened to. I, I'll give it a go, but my brain just really wants to hear like that chuggy chuggy guitar in the chorus. I love that. Way too much. Chuggy, chuggy. Now, Tom, you say that it ends on a 15th song? Well, there's two interludes, so it's actually like 13 songs. Well, okay. What's interesting is when I go to the... Oh, now it's showing. Okay, I think my uh, computer was just not being helpful. I was confused because it said that it looked like there was a song that was um like barred like nothing was coming up so i was like well, it only says there's 14 here but there's 15 never mind okay so what do you think about the album as a whole um as a whole it's it's not anything groundbreaking yeah like, it does do some interesting you know dynamics combining a little bit more pop and hip-hop into this pop punk album but on the whole it's not like groundbreaking i'm not going to say that this is a album of the year but would i say i personally really enjoy it and i think a lot of people who like pop punk are going to enjoy it i think so i think it's a solid album i enjoy it a lot like i want the vinyl of this because i just love the pink and black aesthetic that's all like the whole package is just a lot of fun yeah i, I really mean, that love is... the art direction of this album yeah i mean even the um like the font for the title yeah. you know um, the whole picture, like with the empty pool, I feel like I remember so many music videos from the aughts of like bands performing in an empty pool or like riding their bikes and, you know, pushing their skateboards on an empty pool. So like the whole thing is very well thought, thought out. It, it is. And it feels like it's com- like the aesthetic is combining the the love for youth but also like this kind of ominous, like demoralizing anxiety of adulthood. Like it's literally called tickets to my downfall. Right. Which you I know, do like, feel like, and we've talked about this before is that, you know, pop punk it didn't really actually talk about anything specifically that was hard other than certain things like red jumpsuit apparatus, where they really brought like a very specific message to the forefront. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's part of what makes coming back to this genre now makes so much sense because a lot of people are dealing with anxiety and mental health, you know, during the pandemic that it feels like now is much a a much more open space for musicians to talk about that. Yeah. And like it came out during the pandemic and I think that it hits on the nostalgia factor. A lot of people can appreciate Uh, any criticism I could have like, Somebody brought this up, and once they said it, it couldn't escape my brain. Some of the features, like, I don't know if it's because they recorded in separate studios or whatnot, but some of the mm. features, the mixing is in, the mixing is done in such a way where the feature sounds more clear 
than Machine Gun Kelly, but that just oh. might be his growly singing voice. Or maybe he wanted a specific mic and the feedback wasn't yeah. as good. It's hard to say. Yeah, the mix could, is a little choppy on some songs and not amazing, but overall, like, is this going to detract? Like, am I going to be like, how dare this song not have the best mixing? No, I grew up listening to a genre of music that really sometimes is recorded in a basement. Like, so. Right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, this is not going to upset me that much. Fair, good point. Um, especially now, like, there's such a high quality of audio recording compared to like what we grew up with and what came before us yeah yeah um i do want to know because i looked into the reviews and there's a lot of love for this album i saw some high ratings people really praising it loving it giving it like this fresh new take from machine gun kelly then there's like i i do love this man and i think he has some good opinions but i don't always agree with him but uh Anthony Fantano of the of the Needle Drop rated this album a not good, which if oh. familiar with anyone's familiar with the Needle Drop, he usually rates things out of ten unless he really hates it, then he gives it a not good. Um, and I his basic his basic complaint. Okay. His his complaint was that it was generic, poorly mixed, and nothing groundbreaking, which are all things I addressed, but don't detract it from me. But I'm also my job isn't to sit around and listen to a bunch of music all at once. So I can get like, if you're listening to a lot of music all the time and it doesn't grab mm -hmm. your attention right away, it's going to be something that you're kind of like, eh, about, you know? Mm, okay. I'm checking his, um, I'm checking the pitchfork review right now. And I feel like it's pretty solid. It, it was a 6.7. That's solid. Yeah. But the statement that they have for it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it just says, The Motormouthed Rapper's latest album reboots him as an heir to early aughts pop-punk canon with Travis Barker producing and playing drums. Yeah, that's just a pretty easy way to put it. Yeah, and, you know, in the introduction of it, it says, like, well, you know, as a rap career, it doesn't really feel like people were really getting into it in the way that they've gotten into this album as more or less just it was happening and people would hear it. Yeah. Whereas this feel, it feels like there's uh, more of an engagement and a bigger fan base. I will say, cause like I went to an emo night recently. Oh at really? The Leaky, at the leaky lifeboat on Long Island. The leaky um, lifeboat. It's a very, you know how like there's like bars in Brooklyn that are very much like heavy metal bars. Yeah. Well, Leaky Lifeboat is like that, but specifically for like emo and pop punk. Oh my gosh. It's it's a fun time, I will say. It's definitely worth checking out. Um and um and everyone I talked to there create because I, I did karaoke and I did do Bloody Valentine. Of course you did. I love that so yeah. much. I miss karaoke. And, and it gave it got a huge reaction. People loved it. Like everybody, and that's the weird thing, everybody at the bar because the like, there are metalheads who go to this bar. There's, like, goth kids go to the bar. But it's mostly pop punk, emo, and then, like, random poshy kids. And, like, okay. you know, the guy guy in the polo shirt with the flat hat. But every person came up and was talking about Machine Gun Kelly to me. I was apparently the Machine Gun Kelly expert of the night. Oh. And we were all just talking about Machine Gun Kelly. And I'm just like, no one's giving me this much attention for anything I've ever been interested in. <laughs> Does it make you feel satisfied in the way that you accrue knowledge on things and you want to share it? 
It was overwhelming. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> it was overwhelming. <laughs> but it, it was it was fun. No, I like the people there. It's a good time. There's some really cool people there. Awesome. I mean, I like so, the the bar name, and I I love karaoke. It's worth going. The karaoke is a lot of fun. Karaoke is fun. But that is my take on this album. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for sharing such a concise review of this album. I feel like I, I carried on for way too long with Olivia Rodrigo. Don't be. Don't be. You had you were much more meticulous. Oh, and oh it's thank, also, you. <laughs> thank you. You're much more meticulous. You planned it out. <laughs> I did a lot of research and watching in behind the scenes, but uh, I was also we also got up at 8 a.m. Yeah, I'm sorry about and that. Don't be. It's all good. And my brain is not a functioning properly. So I'm just like, I'm going to enjoy just talking about it. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. Um, what has been your obsession? Um, Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly. Um, no, there was another thing I really wanted to bring up that I've been doing. Um, I'm planning October stuff now. Um planning ahead of time my pumpkin carving adventure because i'm doing it again oh yeah oh my god i can't believe we're already at like we're already planning for that you know yeah i'm i'm doing that again but this time i'm gonna try and buy like weekly bulk so that i don't because that was the thing that killed me was like if you don't plan it out you might run into a situation where the market doesn't have a pumpkin Mm. And then also you might pay ridiculous prices because some places are more expensive than others. And I'm going to try and see if I can work out a deal with like a farm. Like maybe I'll go to Hicks or I'll go somewhere Mm. and just be like, listen, if I buy like seven pumpkins (laughs) off of you, will you cut me a deal? Mm. Yeah, you should go to like a smaller vendor. Yeah, or I could be like, listen, I'm gonna can I buy can I get a discount for buying like seven pumpkins and then I'll bring one as a decoration? Give me seven pumpkins. Seven pumpkins. Well, what a that sounds you, like a good, plan, a good plan. Um yeah. hmm. realistically probably vampire diaries. Yes. Fair. <laughs> um the the script started out really terrible but there was still like some pretty solid horror elements like there are moments where i'm like oh my god oh my god i can't watch this um but you know my my issue with vampire things is why do they always have to be confederate soldiers yeah that is weird isn't it what I so they they go into the past and then like you know it shows their lives like before they're vampires and they're like ah the confederacy and I'm like why 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 is this happening to me again <laughs> I don't know it's literally especially when it's a work of fiction it's so easy to just not include the feder confederacy yeah and then I don't know if they got slack for that because then they're like. They, they have some throwaway line where like, oh, too bad you gave up on your your enlistment for the Confederacy. And it's like, is that supposed to make me feel better? I mean, there's still Virginia plantation owners. I don't like that. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess also separately, um, I want another tattoo. So <laughs> Go for it. Um. I, I like this new thing that has been happening with tattoo artists during the pandemic. 
Um, I feel like if you think of tattoo artists, we kind of all stereotypically go to that, like, mask, white, butch dude who is, like, playing, you know, metal or Jimi Hendrix and would be annoyed by Machine Gun Kelly calling himself, like, the new Jimi Hendrix um, kind of atmosphere. But because of the need to focus more on flash tattoos and planning your appointments ahead during the pandemic, there's kind of been this wave of female tattoo artists who are making like these very like feminine, surreal flash tattoos and they're really beautiful and they're really unique and I really love that. So I I used to never love flash tattoos because it would just be this giant portfolio that you would skim through while you're waiting for your custom tattoo. But now there's such a variety um, and I love that just a lot of like femme tattoo artists and a lot of queer artists too are um, just choosing to be themselves and create a safer space for their clientele. So I I really like that. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a really cool shift in the tattoo world happening. Yeah. I I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Because a lot of the artists I follow now are a lot of women. Yeah. And it might be just kind of like, joining in at this time because you're right like especially like i would say in the arts mm-hmm. that image was much more solidified as like a like a masculine alternative perspective even though there were like female artists there always were but like you're right there was this kind of idea that it was like a little bit of a rough and tough boys club you know sort of thing right it was still kind of that idea of like oh you're tough if you like get a tattoo And, um, you know, there are, like, a lot of Miyazaki tattoos, there's a lot of anime tattoos out there, but I finally found one by this uh, female artist that I really, really like, and I told her, like, I want this tattoo, I don't care if, like, we change the flowers, I don't care, but, like, the way that you capture, like, the joy and mysticism of Kiki's delivery service through this, like, surreal approach, I want this tattoo, this is what I want. So, like, I love what's coming out now. All right, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. That's it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to me talk about Machine Gun Kelly for an hour. <laughs> I do I do want to listen to the whole album now. I, I will listen it's to the album. It's a lot of fun. It's not absolutely amazing. I would definitely say like it's an album where there's songs I'm going to listen to a lot mm. rather than the album as a whole. But still, it's a good, it's a fun ride. Also, oh, I didn't talk about it. Hmm. How did I forget to talk about Downfall High? I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. He filmed a short movie that he directed and wrote. It's called Downfall High. And it's, you know, it's nothing special. It's like, it's actually, it's really cute. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. I mean, it's not amazing. It's very cliche. It's generic, but it's fun. It's just, it's a teen, it's a teenage romance at a school called downfall high okay where the emo boy falls in love with a popular girl he was a skater boy someone like that it's a little tragic i don't want to spoil it but it is it it kind of follows like it's a music video it's a it's a short film music video where the narrative is happening and as the narrative happens it kind of aligns with the theme of each song okay like it starts off with title track and then Mm. it goes into kiss kiss and then bloody valentine um and what's weird is that actually some of the mixes for the movie are better than the album itself and maybe it's because they like yeah like for 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 um you know 
a lot of the features come back to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it? Um, like for my ex's best friend, like Black Bear did come back. I think Trip uh, Trippy Reed did come back as well. Like a lot of the features are in the movie. Okay. And it's it's this fun dynamic where there's a film, the narrative, while like the band is also playing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And Machine Gun, it's a it's a weird, it's a fun ride. I think it, it premiered like in January. It's on YouTube, the whole thing. Okay. Um, you know these it's it's, it's some people might be like it's a cheesy like teenage romance of the aughts, but that's kind of what the whole thing is. I think it's just especially for like a first time go at it. It was a lot of fun. Like I can't hate on it. I enjoyed watching it, hearing the songs in this new context with. Honest to God, some of them had a way better mix in the movie than on the album, but I That's recommend so it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. They they also sell merch for Downfall High. Oh God, really? Of course they do. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It's like pink. It's like pink sports jackets with the lettering. Downfall I was gonna say, High. is it a Letterman jacket? It is. Of course. I do, I am a sucker for weird Letterman jackets though. I am too. I, am I love too. I love Letterman jackets. I just love the style. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. I wish I had not forgotten. But that is my review on Downfall High. All right. <laughs> and thank you for coming to my TED talk. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Um, I'm excited to talk about the Willow Smith album next week. Oh yeah, I I have enjoyed our little um mini series on new bands and new singers, new albums with old pop punk influences. Hell yeah! Yeah. Okay. Yes, and guys, with that, be sure to follow on the Instagram. Remember the Zero Zero S podcast. Mm-hmm. Find us on all the places podcasts are found because mm-hmm. it's just. Literally, there's websites that I think we get put on that I don't remember. Um, I, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that works. Internet's I, a weird place. I publish our stuff on the Podbean, and mm-hmm. Podbean distributes it to the other sources. But, like, I don't know. Uh, listeners have been going up, so I'm happy about that. Yay! And uh, we do a good job, and we talk about cool things. We do a good job, and we talk about cool things. Uh, I listen to us on Spotify, but that shouldn't stop you from doing Apple if you are a Apple fan. One of those boy. people. One of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Hey. What are you doing up there? Ew. Why are you talking to him? I don't know. Sitting. Thinking about stuff. What are you doing? Well, I'm not hanging out by myself. And the knife landed on you. I don't know. It's kind of cute. Hello? Yo, Jimmy. Why the fuck did you drop out? I literally have no friends. Except for this cool girl Scarlett said hey to me yesterday.